and I'll count down. One, two, three, four, five, and go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an exciting episode of Stable of Studs Wrestling Podcast. I'm indeed your co-host, Tank Rodriguez. Join aside with me a lot of people on a Skype call right now. Of course, we have our favorite, favorite co-host, Mailman Mike. How are you doing today, sir? Hello, everyone. How are you? Doing great. Someone sounds really bad right now, though. Yeah, the audio's we're we're in a we're in a snowstorm right now. Yeah, someone sounds really bad, and it's okay. We're gonna keep recording, but let's try to fix that. Who is that? Is that you, Adam? <laughs> it's not me. Go on, mute, mute yourself really quick, Adam. Uh, hold on a sec. Some technical difficulties. Oh um, my god. I just muted myself, so it doesn't sound like it's me. No. Well, you sound really far away. <laughs> Well, because I had my headphone up to see if it was that, too. Oh. I'm going to mute myself. Let me know if it's me. Yeah. Oh, it is you. Yeah. <laughs> it is me. Wow. That's a little bit better. It's still, no, it's, it's going to get worse. Fuzzy. Okay, I'm going to mute myself. That's good. Okay. Alrighty then. Sorry about that, folks. All right, I'll edit that out, actually. No need to worry. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, no, how, Mike, how you doing, man? I am great. Like, yeah, coming off of uh, coming off the birthday, um, this is a wonderful present to join uh, all of you wonderful folks here, live and in, almost in living color, I suppose. <laughs> Indeed. You have a guest with you. you mind introducing him? I do. The incomparable, the enigmatic, charismatic, vegematic, <laughs> the one and only... Paper the big box, riding shotgun here in the Dufresne household, right uh, adjacent to me on this uh, this well-used couch here in the <laughs> Dufresne, <Ooh>. lovely Southern <laughs> California. How are you, paper big box? I'm good. Greetings from the land of the 47-point plan to walk out your front door. How you doing, guys? Doing great. Thanks for. I, I, I know I know Adam is very very excited uh, that you're on, um, and Adam's with us. How are you doing today, Adam? Hey, gang, what's going on? I'm here. Uh, glad that we are graced with the presence of uh, Buck the Paperboy, a true legend, a living legend. Uh, great to have him on the show, <laughs> having a party. Let's get to it. Let's rock and roll. Indeed. And, of course, we got Jimothy James Dean. How you doing today, sir? Sup, sup, sup. Yes, the good old sup. And then last and, of course, not least, we got Tanner Treadway. How you doing, Tanner? It's it, it sounds less and less genuine every time you say not least. So but it's I'm not. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm just good. letting you know. I'm just letting you know that you're not mm-hmm. least. Mm. It's nice to be reassured that every time. Okay. Well, then I won't <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Turdway, do you have any New Japan updates for us today? Everything's canceled. Everything. Oh. Uh, Wrestle, Wrestle Dynasty, the the, the yeah. one that I was like, all right, here it is. Here's the date that will end all of the insanity. Wrestling returns, and they're like, nah, it's not safe. So respect to them. They're still paying everybody salary and benefits and all that stuff. Yeah, um, uh, not laying off 20% of the roster, but you know, uh, <laughs> only 20. Oh yeah, only 20. But yeah, it's. Everybody's feeling it right now, man. Some of them are, yeah. are holding up a little better than others. 
So I, I have to applaud them for just shutting down as opposed to just shilling out whatever they physically could under the circumstances. So I, I think I think that when New Japan comes back, it's going to be to a much better reception than to when WWE comes back to an audience. Oh, I you know that that's actually really good insight there. Um, but you know, I mean, New Japan doesn't really have like a weekly show that they have to worry about, though. No, I mean, they I, don't. I, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think I think this is you know the way they are handling versus you know someone like WWE or AEW, and then you know um, if they did, do you, don't you think they 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 would you know probably do an empty arena show? <sighs> I, I've heard some rumors about it. Um, same, same, but, especially with the LA Dojo or something. Did I exactly? I think I... But but the, the the big thing for me right now is that you know they they absolutely have the ability to do a no arena like to do an empty arena show and they have for a long time and and they haven't yet. So I I don't know why they would wait this long to pull the trigger on something that's not gonna do well in terms of views. Uh, anyways, so I, I have a feeling that at this point in the game, it would be smarter to just wait until they're able to book, you know, a full audience, um, because that that pop would be nuts, especially like like a Japanese crowd, and and I know it's it's very different from the American crowd, but I, I think it would it would be a very emotional reception. Yeah, and then, uh, well, I appreciate that that insight there too. Um, and I definitely can't wait for that to happen. Maybe uh, it'll be a good little refresh, you know, like a restart on something and a new product that people can actually start watching mm-hmm. and maybe get, get new eyes on the product. Uh, but I, I know we missed last week or missed a couple of weeks. Um, I just wanted to get y'all's take on Money in the Bank. Personally, for me, I loved it uh, for the most part. You know, like some of the wrestling matches were great. Um, I think it was a very, very uh, interesting way they handled the Money in the Bank uh, actual match. Um, and I loved, I loved how, how short it was like two and a half hours. Good to go. I don't have to wait for, to see what I'm actually anticipating on one, wanting to watch. And it was, it was definitely something to go with what's going on in the world. So somebody give their take on it before me, because I'll, <laughs> I will be, I will, I will, I'll be the bummer of the show as usual. No, go ahead and be the bummer now. That way All right. you, you can get that out All of right. the way. Get it out of your system. Uh, I thought it was funny. Um, that's 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 it. I thought it was funny. Um, none of the matches before the Money in the Bank match really caught my attention in any significant way. It, I definitely felt like I was just waiting through those to see what they were gonna do with the the like the lobby match. Um, I have to say that I liked. Uh, it, it felt like. The men's match, they went into it thinking it was a joke. Like Daniel Bryan comes in talking all this trash. And then you have the women's side, and, and they took it very seriously. They came in, they did their entrance thing, and then they stood very still as they wait side by side with all their other opponents. But, yeah, I, I've said this. I said I think I felt like I was watching a parody of WWE when I was watching it. And that's not a bad thing. Like it was funny, and I it was funny to watch. But I I don't know how they will expect me to take a Money in the Bank match seriously next year 
when Rey Mysterio and someone else, I don't remember who else, is literally oh. dead because they were thrown off the top of a building. They were thrown off the building. They were it thrown was, off was the a, building. There was a second layer. If you looked at the, like, the bird's eye view of it, it was a very short, maybe They're like five-foot fall. They're dead. Yeah. And they didn't try to really edit out like the boom noise as they went over and you heard them land on Yeah, you know, and it was, it, was, it was a quick <laughs> boom. Like, if they had fallen, it would take it at least a good five to seven seconds, like three to four seconds before they actually, you know, hit the ground. Yeah, but that's not good sound design. Anyway, uh, you, James, did you watch Money in the Bank? Did you like it? Uh, so, uh, this week I'm pretty much a fucking vestigial limb because I didn't watch jack shit. Good the only for wrestling, you. The only wrestling I've watched, it's been a hectic week for me in all kinds of manners but uh the only wrestling really thing i watched uh uh this week was i caught up on every single episode of uh dark side of the ring and i yeah, watched some nice. matches on uh off of uh instagram some linked you know old wrestling matches but uh i i honestly didn't even i don't even know what you're referring to i know who won the men's ladder right. uh, the men's money in the bank but i i don't i have no idea what you're even referring to i even was so bored I started watching uh, – shout out to Brian Zane of Wrestling with Regret. I do enjoy his YouTube channel. But he does recaps of all the pay-per-views. And so I was like, oh, at least I'll watch this. And five minutes even into his review, I was like, I, I just I, – I turned it off. I was like, I just – this is not for me right now. I'm not in the right, right for you. headspace. But anyways, that's – that's I will be of no use this week. Well, thanks for your honesty. I really Unlike every other week when I'm super useful. I'm <laughs> proud of you. I'm proud of you for not watching shit because it is shit. Good for you. Oh, my God. Good. Adam, your thoughts on, on on Money in the Bank? Uh, okay, so I didn't watch it either, but I just saw being there. We have a wrestling podcast, guys. Awesome. It was guys, Mother's Day. I had Am to make I a decision. Am I in the minority of guys that watch a WWE show today? Oh. Such a mark, super well, mark. No. For <laughs> uh, no, it was it was Mother's Day. I had to uh, spend that time with the family, uh, and then I just. I don't know. I didn't really have any impetus. I was like, I'll just see who won. And uh, when you think when you're like, hey, what about that money in the bank? And I was like, yeah, can you believe uh, can you believe he won? And then Tanner's like, oh, God, spoiler alert. And I was like, <laughs> well, I just thought you messaged it like uh, I thought you just messaged like, oh, can you believe that uh, uh, Otis won? And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I think it came up in my Twitter and I was like, oh, wow. And it, I didn't, it didn't register until later. But I was like, he is the money in the bank. Like, that's pretty badass. Let me real quick, though. Yeah. One of the reasons that I haven't watched, why I, I just don't, especially the main roster stuff, main WWE stuff, is I, the the no audience thing is killing me. I find, like, at least AEW does something interesting with it, but the yeah. no audience thing is killing me. Like, NXT at least manages to make it at least engaging enough because it's shorter and there's actual quality wrestling and storylines involved, but... That's all I got. I mean, I, 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 I can't, I can't find the, the inspiration to watch a uh, raw SmackDown or their pay-per-views right now. I may get caught up, but yeah. Mike, save us. <laughs> well, I mean, right off the bat, I think, you know, in the positive side, I think if McIntyre Rollins to, to James yes. point, I think if match was in front of a crowd, that would have been a classic. Like, honestly, I think that Absolutely. they were building to something great. Um, you know, the, the final kick, at the end and stuff popped the group I was watching with um, at our friend Chad's house and stuff popped huge. Just the suddenness of that finish. Um, the um, 
I, you know, again, like the main, the main event, just like everybody stated was fun. Um, I, you know, definitely had a good time as if it felt very, you know, Kenny Omega and DDT kind of, you know, like we're going to have a ball with this and stuff and hell with, with, to hell with what you think anyway. It's a, you know, I mean, don't bother to question why Paul Heyman is eating like a meal fit for 30 people on Sunday night at Titan Tower on 7 p.m. You know, like why there's no one in corporate WWE but Paul Heyman eating enough food to feed 100 people and why Bruce Pritchard was in character pissing. Who cares? Well, Screw it. Well, like, the, well, the ghost, the ghost of, 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 of Matt Bourne was there, too, as well. <laughs> I love yeah. that Stephanie clearly was not there. Oh, I know. I, I did hate that. Phone, like her, I did. her fucking oh, Snapchat man. anyway. Oh, yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, like that was yeah. It's obvious she wasn't even in the same room and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, you know, you know, Dana Brooke looks like a gigantic idiot. That you know, even though for weeks and weeks we've been talking about how the case will be on the roof of the building and stuff, she just happens to see this one in uh, in the conference room and said like, but you know, but in our you know, all of us were kind of wondering why she just didn't go. Well, fuck you, Stephanie. I'm taking the briefcase of cash. I'm just gonna take all the cash and run. <laughs> Screw this. The hell with this. I'm gone. Like you know, but. Whatever, it's, but uh, you know, I had a good time. The Jeff Hardy and Cesaro, I think, on the pre-show was pretty good. You know, don't know if anybody had a chance to watch that. No. I think Jeff was looking the best he's looked in a very long time in that I match had, and stuff. I had really the good. chance, I didn't watch it. Okay. Honestly, you know, the you know anything with Cesaro for me is always like must-watch. So I, I love him, love his work. Um, you know, I I. Don't want to even, you know, question like who decided to give Tamina 15 minutes on a pay-per-view in 2020. I have oh. no idea. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, you know why? Rather, why? I tell you why? Because she what? lives in Florida. I guarantee you. She yeah. lives in Florida. She's local. That's why. Okay. I thought it was in Connecticut. Well, oh no, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I think. Um, I think the multi-man tag was you know was really really good i think maybe that could have gotten a little more time um you know the the you know morrison's looking better and better you know the more he's you know getting in the wwe ring um love you know uh you know the lucha lucha house party was looking good um the uh forgotten sons i think are really showing people and stuff that there's some cohesiveness and i think they can turn into the next revival level like you know this team you know i so i mean i think there was some positive to it and stuff for sure i do get what James is saying about main roster WWE, te- even and Tanner is saying about main roster WWE television and stuff. I do get it. Like I, you know, I, my own viewership, I, I'm finding myself watching NXT and AEW more than I, I am current main roster stuff just For because sure. it's not even lack of the crowd. You know, I, a lot of it is, you know, seemingly very homogenized right now and stuff, but pay, uh, Paperboy, you had some stuff. I know like what that you thought, I guess. Uh, What's up, guys? And by the way, before I before I get into this, I just want to say I really enjoy what you guys are doing. I love seeing it. love hearing it. Um, I recently drove to Boise, Idaho from here and spent multiple entire trip listening to podcast after podcast after podcast. It was great. It's a lot of podcasts. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, high praise. So praise from Caesar. Absolutely. <laughs> as, as far as the, you know, this is about the third kind of film stage thing we've seen with Money in the Bank since the coronavirus all started. And I think they, I know I'm in the minority because I didn't like the Bray Wyatt, uh, the, excuse, the, excuse me, the Bray uh, Cena uh, piece at WrestleMania, but, you know, I also fell asleep during it. So, but the other two, the other two you know, I like the Boneyard match and I, and I like the Money in the Bank. Um, I thought, you know, 
it's a different world right now. So they're doing the best they can with what they've got. Sure. In some in some aspects, I think, you know, can learn every single time you do do one of these uh, one of these stage matches. What I'll go back to is when Mike was talking about Cesaro and and that match being on the pre-show. And I've been asking this for I don't know how many years. Right. Who did who did Cesaro get mad at him, piss off? Because this guy, every time I watch him work, his moves are crisp. He has great charisma. He has a great finishing move. He gets a big pop when he had crowds in front of him. And I think I'm going to have great grandchildren before the guy gets a push. So that's my. <laughs> oh, he's done. It, yeah, he's he never getting a push. Does he? Does he have heat with anybody? No, uh, the man just doesn't like him. He has an accent, so can't yeah, cut a phone. Oh, don't give me that because I can tell you three guy, two, two, two guys that are being managed by Selena Vega that can't that can't speak. Well, yeah, any he needs, English. He needs a manager and or like Asuka. Asuka's English isn't the best, but she still has the belt. Uh, but yeah, Cesaro. I mean, we've been on that Cesaro train for, I'm sure as fans for six, seven years. Like, hey, this is the next big guy. He's gonna really rip it up, but. He, he kind of has to earn his spot by just continuing to wrestle. Like, if he was just wrestling, 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 like going broadways every once in a while, I think he'd be a certified legend. But that's not sports entertainment, right? Like, that's professional wrestling. Yeah, no, Brian, well, I actually yeah. just Googled Cesaro Heat, and there was a, uh, a article oh written two, there was an article written two hours ago on Sports Kita uh, that WWE reportedly feels Cesaro and Shinsuke don't have enough charisma to be solo superstars. So, yeah. I'm so sorry. Vince, so that's a Vince call. That, that, that's 100% a Vince call. I'm sorry. Oh. Vince Vince, Vince says that Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't yeah. have enough charisma. <laughs> I know. Jesus. That's, it's so insulting to intelligence. <laughs> I can't even take enough drugs to make that sentence make sense. Like, I can't. Somebody with only charisma, really. I mean, yeah. come on. That's, I mean, no, that's, that's absolute, that's freaking, I, I don't have any words for that. Except that's, Vince's brain is like a homogenized piece of freaking fruit at this point. He's, He's also a massive dementia. racist. He's got dementia. There's, there's yeah. no way around it. Is he racist? Dude, he, is he racist? Oh, <laughs> God. So, dude, he's an old piece of shit. Like it. I keep I'm I I've never fantasized about one person's death as much as I fantasize about Vince. You've McMahon. never talked about somebody else's death like you talk about Vince McMahon. That is very he, true. But he's oh never gonna die, dude. He's like a two dollar steak. He's just gonna get harder and tougher. <laughs> he, he looked pretty rough in the Money in the Bank thing where they stumbled into his office with a fucking T Rex skull that he bought. I'm sure. Oh, it's I, real. No, no, he's had that for years, for decades, yep. and it's 100 percent real. I'm sure that there's like some there's some scientist there's there's some archaeologist that is just pissed about that every single day. That's invented three days from looking like the crypt keeper on meth. Like he's like, three. Like tops. God damn it, we could have done so many great studies with with that you know great specimen of T Rex skull and this fucking <laughs> wrestling nerd bought it to have it. Oh my god. <laughs> well. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on uh, on Money in the Bank. I really do. Um, it, it was it was definitely again definitely an in, for the time. Um, it was definitely an interesting watch. Uh, I'm more I'm definitely excited about the AEW uh, pay per view. Uh, just wanted to see if anyone's been watching AEW. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, before you know, I, I hand it over personally for me. Um, it's 
to me, it's the number one show right now. It, you know, during the pandemic, I, I don't. I mean, NXT comes close. Yes, I agree. Um, but honestly, AEW storylines, the fact that they, the, just the way they adapted um, to the to the no audience, uh, the empty arena. Um, it, it's been it's night and day between what WWE puts out and what they put out. Um, the only thing I'll I'll say uh, <laughs> negative about AEW. Besides the women's division, and it's not hate on the women, it's just that it's not good. Um, was that Cody Rhodes when he, uh, what was it, Wednesday night, uh, when he came, uh, quote unquote, smashing in on his truck and he just nudged like a guardrail that was in a trash stupid. can? Oh my God, that was the stupidest thing. Like he was trying to seem tough, and it didn't. It just seemed. It made him look weak. But he he revved his <laughs> truck up so much to just let it roll into a trash like five, can. Like he went five feet. Like, what did you have to do that for? He put it in neutral. He revved it up, and then he put it in neutral. and Like he forgot. Like he brain. forgot it was in neutral. <laughs> I mean, he looked very serious while doing it. I was, again, it looked like something from Nitro, right? Like, oh, my God, fancy. He's outside at the monster truck in Gravedigger. And, uh, and you're like, oh, cool. But usually, yeah, at least they drive in, up to the ring and jump out of it this one he just it just looked like he forgot to go into reverse and just went into drive automatically or on accident i'm pretty sure each of the little stands on the guardrail had tennis balls on the end so that it would just slide very nicely and not you know cause any damage oh <laughs> uh so yeah so but, but that being said uh what are your thoughts about AEW and what they're doing right maybe you mean there are things they're doing wrong they can improve on um we'll kick it off with mike what do you got man um, no, I think, you know, I, I agree with you and stuff. You know, I, I enjoyed, I think I enjoyed this week's um, NXT more than I did AEW and stuff. And that's largely just because I'm a gigantic Timothy Thatcher fan. So mm-hmm. I got to see a completely different amount of wrestling style than what uh, North American fans have probably seen in that position. So I really enjoyed him and Riddle getting the time they got. But uh, in AEW's case and stuff, you know, a couple things I know, a couple of weeks I wanted to, I was looking forward to kind of getting to hear what you guys thought. Um, I couldn't go anywhere online and stuff without getting hit with a ton of the the criticism for uh, the a couple of weeks back, the Kenny Omega, Allen Angels, if, if I'm remembering right, match. Like tons of criticism getting thrown at Kenny's way and stuff because he gave the jobber too much. The guy looks talented and stuff. I thought he had a great outing with Phoenix this last week. Um, but I, I tons of heat and criticism and again just like i talked about on my first time on the you know podcast here's the negativity craming out and stuff like all of a sudden like you know like AEW's putting on a good show but nope god gotta have all the blue birds coming out from under their rocks and shitting on what's good um tons of people crapping on like the kenny jobber way too much in in that match wanted to hear what you guys thought about that stuff the other thing and stuff is like i couldn't help but have visions of uh James in my mind as I was seeing, you know, Jake Roberts kind of uh, homoerotically mount Brandy Rhodes a couple of weeks ago. And stuff. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Where in my brain, I'm like, James is is uh, living vicariously through Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> He's living vicariously through the snake. Did you see how close it was getting up poor Brandy's shirt? I was like, Jesus. Oh, man. That's too much. James, did you like that? Uh, I actually didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, last week. Go to last uh, week's episode. I didn't watch it last week, apparently, either. I thought I watched last week's. Uh, uh, I've only been watching clips and shit. Uh, 
I got it. I didn't realize how much I'd missed. Yeah, because when you're saying that, I'm like, wait, did I? That sounds like one of my fever dreams. It was. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. It was uncomfortable. I, that sounds like my slash fiction. Um, but um, Jesus. I will say that uh, just as a weird takeaway, this was the dawn to me the last time. I think the la- the major thing I've come to really enjoy about AEW and the thing that's starting to stand out more and more week to week um, more than NXT, because that's who I would really say is their, their competition. And not just because they're on Wednesday nights, but just because at that level um, of exposure, mm-hmm. AEW has managed to actually like, they're one they're doing something different like or they're taking more cha- like nxt is very much a straightforward it's net the storylines are never going to be nearly as important as the in-ring in- in- action they keep their storylines very like focused and tight um aw's kind of throwing they just take more weird chances they're trying to do weirder things but is where nxt has the actual legitimate workers with the you know the you know uh the work rate that the nerds jerk off over and stuff but you know, as every week, every week that comes out, like I feel like AEW has the better characters. First of all, MJF is sort of like he is the best. Like that's sort of where I it was sort of dawning on me is com- comparing Adam Cole, who is great. It's no, comp- I mean, uh, sure. nothing net negative about Adam Cole, but compare Adam Cole to MJF, and there's a giant gap. Yeah, um, but and, and really quick though, James. I mean, you, you got to remember, like M- MJF has a platform to be who, who he wants to be. Adam Cole, Ring of Honor was that mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, i mean Dave. he was he was that i mean if wwe actually said hey you know take the ball and run with it i'm sure we we might get that 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 same that same caliber of you know you know personification and in-ring work yeah. i would for first off i would say one it doesn't matter what he did in roh because what i'm seeing on tv is is the issue like you're, I'm comparing it like on a week to week television basis. Understood. So he he could have been fucking Jesus Christ walking on water in ROH, but if he's not doing it on TV, it's not you know what does it mean? But the other thing is too is like I kind of don't like if he was on the main roster, I would say okay yeah that's believable that's kind of understandable. But I feel like the he definitely I'm sure has some sort of input on what he does in his promos. Um, but with M Cole, it's sort of just the same thing like. First off, it's also it's unfair because MJF is like the most naturally talented heel I've in the business has seen, and I don't even know how long. He's a um, baby. He's yeah, only he's what, a child. 24? But dude, every yeah, so promo he gets better every yeah. promo. But I was also just that, that's a specific case. But even just there's more like characters in uh, AEW, um, or at least for me right now. But because uh, even like you know you know I love. Um, uh, uh, Keith Lee, but the you know who what who is he like, you know you you Don't know, know yet, yeah. glory and stuff. It's like it doesn't. I, there's no connection there. Where at least with you know uh, AEW, there seem to be sort of more standouts. You may not like Darby Allen, but he is a fully realized sort of different character. Yeah, uh, and stuff. Absolutely. But anyway, that was just my weird takeaway. I, I still think they're both. They both have you know go back and forth as far as putting on the best show of the week. I, I do enjoy both, but right now just like. I'm enjoying AEW as a product a little bit more, which I can't believe I'm saying. I think yeah, it's yeah. uh, I think something that like I chafed against this week with NXT, and I just felt everybody was small. Like I, I felt like AEW has the bigger guys, you know, like the Jake Hagers and the Lance Archers. And when I was watching AEW this week, I didn't, you know, I saw Cameron Grimes and Finn Balor, and I was like, man, everybody in this ring is like very, very small. So 
I don't, and I'm not really like a body guy. I really don't care like about how big guys are. But I, that was something that kind of struck me funny. I was like, oh, these guys are just too little. And I don't know, it's because like, was it uh, Jokic or is it Djokovic or what's the who was the guy that was feuding with um, Dijakovic? yeah. Like Dijakovic wasn't there, and I don't, I didn't see Keith Lee on there. Uh, I guess the only really big guy I've seen on TV is Karrion uh, Cross, but it's only to see Scarlett Bordeaux <laughs> come out. Which I kind of like. I kind of like Karrion Cross's whole, I yeah, guess, no, his entrance, gimmick, and his entrance was fuck. His debut week, his entrance was fucking dope. And I think again, he shot a pretty good promo this week too. Like I thought he gave a really cool, interesting promo or video package uh, this week. I was like, okay, I'm I'm kind of into him. Like I'm not just here to ogle Scarlett Bordeaux, but this is a bonus. If he could, if he could stop killing jobbers, that'd be nice too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Buck or uh, Buck or Mike. I think it was interesting, you know, James or Jimothy or Jim or whatever I'm supposed to call you. I think <laughs> you mentioned Nitro, and when EAW first started, I was like, the first thing I thought was, even though I love Jim Ross and Shivani and all them, try not to look too much like Nitro because just of the way that ended, it's a bad optic. But now we're getting to that point. If these guys can just build on their talent, get a few more names in. Then we're going to start talking about them like we were WCW in the early 90s. We're like, hey, these guys can just get a couple names in, a couple guys that can develop. They're really going to be on par. And I don't see AEW having the same problems that WCW had in the late 90s with, quite frankly, idiots running the show. Right. Um, you know, right. I, I think, the, you know, we watched, I think it was a couple weeks ago, watched, went back and forth between the two shows on Wednesday night. Right. I found AEW to be a better show. Be Well, the wrestling was better. Mm-hmm. You know, now they just got to build a name recognition. I, I think they're getting closer. Um, yeah. Now, vice versa, I think WWE is leaving that door wide open for, for them to, you know, for them to make that move. So I, I think it's it's happening slowly, but it's starting to get interesting. Yeah, yeah. I agree with uh, with Buck there uh, in terms of like making your own names. I would say somebody like Pineapple Pete. Like obviously he may just be mid card at best, but. You know, that's somebody that maybe a month ago we weren't even paying attention to. But slowly, you know, Chris Jericho's making this guy. He gave him a nickname, Pineapple Pete. He gave him a match. Uh, he jobbed out to Jericho. But he kind of reminds me of like a Billy Kidman or, you know, someone that was just totally just WCW. And if you were between Raw or Nitro and you're like, oh, OK, well, I'm not going to see like I'm not going to see a, a Billy Kidman uh, on WWE, so that's kind of cool, right? Like, it's just its own flavor. The, the scary part is, though, it's like, for WWE, I, I'm, what I'm seeing is, the Billy Kidmans are the main talent right now in Raw. Mm. And, and like, you're, I mean, it's, and it's not, and it, it goes back to it with, with, with what, you know, what James says all the time. We need bigger guys, bigger characters. We don't have, WWE is lacking in that. Maybe, like, just with Drew, you know, yeah. and then and you got Seth, and, and Braun, but I mean, okay, and then Bray, and then and that's about it. You know, that's really all you got. And then you have, and then and then what what they're doing? You have these hour long matches with these mid, you know, these mid card dudes, which are impressive. They can work, and they, they are great wrestlers. I'm I'm not, I'm not taking that away from them. It just seems like an in a really really high end indie show, and it's it's not impressive. It's not it's not like um, 
it, it, it doesn't go to that next level the way AEW does and how it has big guys, big characters, big personas, and it just doesn't it doesn't work out for me. And that's a and, and that going back to your point, Adam, it just that's what I'm scared of is just like the bigger you know the mid tier Billy Kidman's of of you know of yester yesteryear are coming back to the main roster on main eventing on Raw. Right. Um... And so, yeah, I definitely see your point. And I think, you know, that's what it kind of leaves a hole. It kind of leaves a little vacuum there because you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'll, I'll want to maybe tune in for Braun, but that's about it. Whereas, like, yeah. you know, maybe 20 years ago, you had uh, five to six different guys that, you know, were all main eventers uh, that were kind of uh, equally spaced out. So, again, if you were into Triple H and Mick Foley, that was one thing. If you were into The Rock and Stone Cold, that was another thing. If you're into Kurt Angle and maybe, like, I don't know. I'd say Ken Shamrock, not that Ken Shamrock was like great shakes or anything, but you had these people like, wow, this is any one of these guys yeah. could be the champion. I love right Shamrock at, at times and on, on his storylines. I mean, the thing is, and again, I know we armchair internet nerds, uh, basically people like us, um, we, we're always like, oh, it's creative, it's creative. But honestly, and a lot of times that's like, well, you know, you can't, you can't always go back to that same well. There's got to be other issues. But in the end of the day, in this scenario, it is a little bit of creative. Like if you have Kevin Owens on your roster and he's not on lunch boxes and, and even though, like I said, physically, you know, I remember, like I said, I, I, I became a fan when he was on the Indies, when he was Kevin Steen. And, but even then it took me a while to sort of reconcile what he looked like with who he was. But, you know, I think he's, I think his w look works for him now. I think especially at the audiences at this point should have accepted his, what he looks like, but the dude's got charisma. He's great in the ring. Like he could be making, he could be drawing so much money if you booked him right. Yeah. And, that, and there's a lot of talent on the roster like that. And it's just like, how do you, like, what do you do? Like, what, where's the disconnect? How come you can't make that work? There's, I don't yeah, know. If you were to check, if you were to make a checklist right now and, you know, left and right side of a, of a piece of paper, there's nothing CM Punk would have on the left side of the paper that Owens doesn't have on the right. You could Absolutely. argue the body style or whatever and stuff, but that, you know, there's a lot of view, a lot of WWE, AEW, New Japan, whatever you want to say. There's a lot of viewers watching the product that look like Kevin Owens, and there's nothing wrong, you know, as we're seeing with Otis and stuff like Dusty Rhodes would have been successful in 2020. There's something to say for charisma and the microphone ability yeah. and ability to draw that the interest of that audience in. I think Kevin Owens has all of those abilities in spades. I think he's enough of a smart ass, you know, enough of a, a wise talker and stuff, but can still get the job done bell to bell. Yeah, there is. There, I agree. There's no reason that he isn't the top babyface draw on one of the two brands at the very least right now and stuff, you know, uh, size notwithstanding. He's not the, the biggest big guy. But he, there's enough size, there's enough of believability. You know, you buy him as a tough dude. And I think, yeah, there's, they're missing, you know, uh, missing a little bit of grease on that wheel right now. I almost think okay. that's a byproduct of the split brand, though. As the talent and loose, as guys get laid off, as other promotions become bigger, you still WWE still committed to these two brands, which means you're still running two different divisions. You can run two shows a week, but don't necessarily have the two brands. And I think we're getting to the point where maybe we don't need to have separate titles for, you know, Raw and SmackDown, and then so you're just you're building one brand instead of diluting two. Sure. I think with the I think with that specifically, I think because they I think they 
with it being on two different networks, I think that's probably a caveat of being on the two networks. Cause then if one of the networks has like the champion on their show, they, you know what I'm saying? I think that's yeah. an unfortunate caveat of, you know, the situation with being on networks real quick. Can I just say something though, real quick about, uh, about, uh, yeah. Otis, uh, as I watched him this uh, week, uh, working out, showing, being on, uh, him and, uh, Chad Gable's little, uh, Instagram channels working out. Uh, first off that dude is a fucking beast. Like, legitimate nca wrestling you know monster even though again he's short and squat the dude is strong as fuck and it's so funny that he's like playing this comedy character when legitimately with maybe the exception of brock he'd fucking tear through their entire (laughs) roster uh, in a legitimate contest which is so funny because He's like, Tucker. But anyways, <laughs> okay. I just thought that was funny. I was watching him. Chad, Chad Gable, too. Again, not the biggest guy in the world, but again, a, a monster in the gym. But cool. watching uh, watching what uh, that little bowling ball of a human being can do, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I know we got sidetracked from AEW, but uh, that's actually a, a good topic to talk about, too, as far as Otis overall winning Money in the Bank. And it is if he is, regardless if it's empty arena or not, is he – is he able um, to be uh, the top guy in WWE right now? I think, yeah. I think WWE is completely lost without the reaction of a crowd because you like, like I have nothing against Otis. Like every time he's on TV, I have a good time mostly because I'm laughing, but you have a guy who's, who's literally the comedic relief Regardless of, of whether or not he could he could you know tear anybody's head off, which I'm sure that he could. It you have this guy who who is who is the funny man. He's the funny fat man, and all of a sudden he like he gets he gets the girl. Great, great. That's a great you know end of the storyline for him. And now he's in the title picture. He's in the main title picture. And where does he go from there? Like it, it just, it, I don't know. It, 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 it seems very, it's, it seems like the main character met this funny guy in, in the first act. And then all of a sudden the funny guy takes over in the third act. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So it's like knocked up. Well, let me also go back to this point though, too, which is, I forgot to mention, we were actually talking about money in the bank. One of the reasons I didn't actually watch because Money in the Bank at one point was my favorite pay-per-view and I thought it was probably the single most interesting concept they'd come up with in decades, you know, but they fucking thrown that shit in the trash the last four or five years. Money in the Bank means nothing outside of Seth Rollins winning it. Uh, winning the championship um, at WrestleMania. They haven't done anything with it. The fucking totally people get it are pretty much just like, dudes. It, that's like, well, it doesn't mean I, anything. He, you might as well give it to fucking uh, uh, rehire the fucking. Uh, uh, the I was going to say doink, but I have no memory aside from King Corbin, who's who wasn't king at the time. Aside from Corbin cashing in and failing to win. I have no memory of any Money in the Bank winners since then, since Seth cashing mm-hmm. in. Like, in, in how how many years is that? Is that three or four years? Like, yeah, it's worthless. It is. It really is. Well, <clears throat> but okay. But yeah, but let's shift it. Shift it. I know we got it sidetracked, but yeah, I definitely did want to bring that up. Mike, 
uh, did, did y'all have any other insight regarding Otis winning or? I mean, no, yeah, I think everybody hit the nail on the head specifically with that. Mm. So I know tonight, um, kind of just as the call was beginning and stuff, I was taking a second just to kind of, you know, for the for the listeners out there and stuff, we're recording this on a Friday night, depending on when it drops. Um, so SmackDown was just about to get underway or it was getting underway for us here on the West Coast. And um, tons of criticism already and stuff that I guess one of the angles tonight, um, you know, Otis had to find a partner, I guess, on tonight's SmackDown to face Miz and Morrison, I guess. And like, they're not, they're not even like in the story, there's not even a consideration of like, Oh, he's going to team with Tucker. No, already they're making this deal about Otis has got to find a partner. So not Tucker hasn't even been Janetti. Like, <laughs> Tucker is now non-existent. Like he's there in catering sitting next to EC3 and you know, like Kalisto at this point and stuff like they're splitting a beer and like now they can't even buy TV time now. And already like the viewership, like the comments were coming down, like going like, oh, OK, so Tucker's just a non-entity. We're, we're idiots then. OK, cool. Like, you know, we're not supposed to remember that this guy was in a tag team two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So um, already and stuff like I think they're going in danger that piece and stuff, because I think a lot of the a lot of the enjoyment that I read and found out about or, or encountered into the whole like Otis Mandy storyline initially was like the, the, the bromance, I guess, between he and Tucker, like there's this dude's best friend telling him and stuff like, man, like, you know, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, as they were doing the whole like emotional highs and stuff with Otis and Mandy's with Ziggler and his heart, he's heartbroken. Here's his, his bro right next to him going like, it's cool, man. Like I've always got your back. It's, we got this, like good things are ahead. And there was like, there's a lot of like organic, uh, appreciation and praise for this genuine like friendship that wasn't one of these WWE created friendships that you could tell like there's no like there was nothing authentic about a lot of the other ones when everybody was looking at Otis and Tucker's relationship on camera going like they feel like friends these are two guys I can buy like hang out when they're not on camera or traveling to the shows and stuff like I buy that and now they're already kind of like moving past it where it's like Otis and Mandy's relationship and Tucker's just not there. Like, again, it just, it speaks to, I think what you guys were all kind of alluding to what's great about AEW and what's wrong with WWE does come down to creative does come down to, again, like I used the word homogenized earlier on. It's also cookie cutter prepackaged, you know, steam like there's nothing organic, which is what we all loved about the attitude era. What we all loved about WWE in the nineties was it, it never felt like it wasn't their personality behind what was happening. Brett wasn't the most charismatic guy on camera, but you bought you bought into who he was and you f- fell in love with the hitman. And there's nobody really on camera right now that in, that invests that for me right now. I can't really get behind any one person. Okay, that's the Messiah. What does that mean? Who are you? What are you the Messiah for? Like what? Like it's it's tell me who these people are. And invest me in in who they are as individuals and stuff. And I think, you know, just as Tanner said, without a crowd, like the, you can't have a breakout star. You can't have a breakout Angel Garza or or Austin Theory or Andrade, any of these guys who could take that ball and run and score with it 10 times out of 10. Without the crowd, you don't have that visceral response where you know, like, oh, everybody brought like Andrade signs to, to Raw the next Monday. We got to get behind this. Yeah. So it is something's really missing there you know, not having that, that visceral immediate response, I guess, and stuff. I do think Otis has the capability 
to be a, a big guy. Like I, you know, as we saw in NXT, the match I think he had with Champa, there's work right there. Um, he's definitely got the personality. There's a, a distinctive look about him. Um, I'd love to see Otis eventually land as a heel and maybe shave the shave the beard and the hair and stuff. Because when I saw uh. one of his wrestling photos, holy <laughs> shit, the dude looks like Frankenstein, you know, underneath all that. Like, <laughs> could murder somebody and stuff. So I do. I would be interested to see where that goes and stuff. But um, you know, given time, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves, you know, uh, Buck alluded to some of his pet peeves and stuff. One of my biggest ones are these single name things. Like I, I have a hard time getting behind a guy so whose name is like, you know, like, oh, OK, so his name is just Otis. So my name is Bob and I'm going to wrestle for that. Look, everybody, please welcome Bob. Like, what? <laughs> That's one of those McMahonisms that fucking mm. makes no sense to anybody. There's yeah. nobody on earth who has a problem remembering somebody's last name. Oh, Buddy Murphy. Like, that was the one, too, and they always, like, slip up and still call him Buddy. <laughs> Jesus. I read somewhere that the argument was that, like, oh, you wouldn't have a heel with the name Buddy. Yes, oh, I anybody was... remember by the name of Buddy Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> what the blue fuck are we doing? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, uh, yeah. Damn it, McMahon. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think another another McMahonism is no one can have the same last name, uh, so you need to have to change it. And someone else pointed out like they got confused with James Storm and Tim Storm on uh, NWA Power. So they're like, uh, James Storm, Tim Storm. But I guess he was just really worried about like market confusion within his own uh, within his own company. I so. mean that makes a little bit of sense because you you want people to sort well, of stand out and stuff. But yeah. although I don't know what fucking random Facebook you know, wrestling name generator that they're using over in NXT, but uh, Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, You you know, you know, honestly, a a good way to end this show uh, would be to a big, big magnetism is that uh, (laughs) when Vince found out that Taker was doing like uh, non WWE bookings as far as signings and charging $25,000 for an hour, he got really (laughs) upset by this. And decided to sign him to a 15-year contract, which is Undertaker. I mean, granted, if you did the math, he would be 70 uh, by the time that 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 contract ended. He's and, gonna be dead. Yeah, well, That's, the dead man will be dead. You know. Uh, no, Vince. Uh, Vince will be dead. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Um, no, but I mean, I, I think it's it, it's um like he was legit. Like like he had legit heat with with Taker. As yeah. far as why he was, you know, why was he doing like non WWE bookings? You know, he's like, well, you know, it's twenty five grand. Uh, but I think you see that a lot with McMahon, and obviously before before the pandemic, you saw it, you know, with him like just quick signing people to, you know, even if they, they were just they were just going to be on the couch. Um, but more specifically, I do want to talk about Taker. Um, we, I, I'm not sure who. I mean, if everyone saw the last ride, the first episode for it. Um, yep. Definitely great. Um, you know, it, it's definitely interesting that it came out around this, you know, the same time as the last dance did. Uh, but you know, I digress on that. It's a different conversation. Um, but I mean, and I think we talked about it before in a previous episode. As far as you know, when is enough enough? Um, I know, you know, we can't really speak for uh, you know, the, you know, someone else. Um, but but definitely watching it, it, it just seems like he still has so much passion, and maybe. 
a good two or three more matches left in them where it could. I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to be five star Meltzer matches at, by any means, but I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, Flair gave a great match, you know, on his last one, and he was he was over the hill and out out of his prime already, you know, and it was still a great match. Granted, he had Shawn Michaels carrying him, uh, but he, even Shawn was out the door, you know, halfway out the door already. Um, but I just wanted to give y'all, you know, get y'all's opinion here before we wrapped it up and, and just maybe, you know, should he retire already? Should he have one last match and who should it, who should it be against? I'll be the bummer right away. Well, well, one second. And like, is it a passing of the torch or is it more so, okay, my, my work here is done and I got to go. So I, I will, we'll go ahead and get the bummer out of the way. Um, this story does not have a happy ending. The, he's he, he has become the guy that he didn't want to be. He's the guy that wrestles when he no longer has the ability to. I don't remember the last time Undertaker stepped in the ring, and I wasn't concerned for his health, um, not just because of his age, but because of what he was doing in the ring. The way that he moves in the ring makes me concerned. Like I'm like, oh, man, he's really selling. And I'm like, no. He's he's going to have a heart attack right there. He's going to die. So I I really think that at this point he just needs to stop. He just needs to like like the the fact that they're they're going to him and he's finally letting people see Mark Calloway to me is enough. That says like okay, that that's it. There's there's nothing left. Put him in the Hall of Fame, send him home, no more. Because it's not going to end well. He's going to get hurt, and it might cost him his life. Because he's extremely old, and he has been put through hell. Great. On a lighter note, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'd like to see. I'd like to see Taker and Sting, but I'd like them to, to do Ugh. what Taker and AJ did, where it is filmed and everything yeah. is super choreographed, and maybe yeah. they they either start in a graveyard. Or an abandoned church, and you just see rain, and you're just like, yeah, it's finally here, Taker. And then that way it protects both guys, because I mean, I don't, Sting's not in the best shape right Why now. Why do they need to be protected though? Because have you seen Sting like <laughs> paunchy and bald and like? Oh, you as far as health wise, I thought you meant like, like no, their legacy wise. No, no, I, no, don't do like. I would just say like, make it look like another movie. Like maybe that's what you do the next couple of years. Is like the first one with AJ wasn't too bad, and you can do clever editing and do and like we would all be on the joke and we would be okay with it but i i think we all would want to see just that one time of sting and undertaker and since both Absolutely. guys are up in age they're neither of them are in like peak physical condition you can really kind of again protect them and make them they don't have to look like two old men rolling around it'd be pretty cool well <laughs> but uh, the the rebuttal to that adam um is that more just for fan service um or does it yes. i mean does it do anything for the company you know oh uh well i mean obviously every anything in professional wrestling especially at this point is just going to be fan service anything with the undertaker is just on nostalgia right he's not bringing anything new he hasn't brought anything new to the table in 10 years or so right not since he lost to brock so anytime you're bringing him out it's just to get that nostalgia factor at a wrestlemania where someone you know Maybe someone who hasn't watched in 10 or 15 years, they're kind of getting back into it and go, well, at least I know The Undertaker. Well, damn, at least I know Sting, too. So, all right, I'll, I'll get this. This will be worth the $60 or if they don't get the uh, the network. Uh, 
I mean, that's that's the stock and trade, and, and WWE can do that. You know, they always have Hall of Famers come in just when they want to. Well, hell, that's the same thing for Goldberg. Goldberg's only there for the nostalgia factor. He's only there for, like, you know, to get some of the ratings in. It's not just because he's, like, making anyone else look great or building any right. career. So, I mean, that that's a that's a cottage industry of the WWE and professional wrestling is, like, if some guy can draw just based on nostalgia, it's not going to last long, but that's still a draw. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, kind of like like Andre and, and Hogan, kind of the passing of the torch. I mean, is, is that a wasted, you know, is that a wasted opportunity uh, to not have Taker do that? I mean, I know he really did it for, you know, Brock and, and, and Roman, but, I mean, he's still wrestling, obviously. Um, I mean, do you, do, do, do you give it to Bray? Uh, I mean, or, or, or I mean, it sounds like I mean Tanner and you. I mean, y'all are saying no. Um, I mean, it, it, is that a wasted opportunity? It, it's a, it's it is a waste. It's a. I mean, everything everything, <laughs> everything about it is a wasted opportunity. I mean, the thing is, like, they blew Sting and Undertaker could have happened. I mean, it would have been it would have still been a uh, you know a letdown in you know. Even when it could have happened, it was way too past the prime. So at this point, it would be, you know, I would actually like to see, I would actually like to see, like Tanner said, Sting and Undertaker set up like age, the, like the Boneyard match, have them fight, and then or Adam said that that would be yeah. shit. Anyways, and then have Triple H come out uh, and bury them both uh, and get himself over again. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I would watch that. That's what the fans want. Anyways. Fucking Buck. Buck wanted to get on the mic. What's up, Buck? I think if you do this with Undertaker, yes, you do it one last time, but for the love of the Almighty, make it be the last time. Not like he can't come back and do other spots down the line, but you do one last match. Stop doing last matches and then having the people show up three months later in another promotion or somewhere else doing more matches. Okay? Last Terry for you. If it's a last match, it's a last match. And I would love to see. I think that's a great idea with Sting. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, Mike, someone, anything? I mean, yeah, I think it proves Tanner's point about Vince having dementia that, you know, that at this current stage that someone had the idea to put Undertaker in the ring with Goldberg and nearly kill him thousands of miles from home and stuff. It's like, hey. You know, Goldberg was such a safe worker, he ended Bret Hart's career. Hmm, who can we put him in the ring with? I know, like a 70-year-old man. Here we go. Undertaker, <laughs> go for it. Uh, so, yeah. no, I mean, yeah, but, um, on the, uh, this is, was kind of coming up and stuff, kind of to piggyback off of the, the, you know, kind of the discussion right now with legends and stuff. You know, for the last few weeks, you know, Buck and I have been just kind of sitting around buck, uh, booking the territory. He actually had an idea kind of for a, a division and stuff, you know, just to be different and kind of utilize some of these people and stuff in, in positions where they might actually still be, um, you know, worthwhile and stuff. I was going to throw it at him really quick because I didn't want it to, to go without him mentioning it because I like the idea. Yeah. So basically, I'll make this quick. Um, it's wrestling, funny enough, taking maybe a page from golf. You know, with the, you guys are probably more familiar with the PJ Seniors Division. You know, you're 50 and over, you go to this Champions Division. You can still compete in the main, you know, with the main guys, but just something that, you know, where maybe the expectations aren't a little high for seven-year-old men to come flying off the top ropes and kill themselves. But guys who still, you know, whether it's an undertaker, whether it's anybody who's really over 50, they can still draw. They can still have fan interest. They can still have great matches. 
Um, and maybe they have their own division and their own championship, uh, much like I kind of thought about the mixed tag a few weeks ago. But uh, maybe something where the expectations aren't as high to do what all these what all the young guys are doing now. But there's still a place for that fan interest. There's still a place for these guys to make a living. And you know, whether it's an Undertaker, whether it's a Sting, whether it's anybody who's kind of been, you know, getting up in those latter stages, but it's still work a little bit. I feel like you just described uh, Heroes of Wrestling from 1999. <laughs> I remember. But uh, no, I'd like I I dig that. And uh, again, you know, five well, minute the... matches, and you wouldn't get too blowed up. And well, and, the thing uh, is, I don't even like if you look at what that's one thing I give AEW a lot of respect for because they're not just fucking dragging out these old fucking corpses of these old timers. They're, <laughs> they're awful. fucking, they're using, they're using them in cool capacities because again, dude, fucking Tully, even if he's on screen, not saying anything, he's fucking cool. Having him as like your fucking advisor and as your coach, that's cool. Having fucking Arn Anderson as your coach, that's cool. Jake is obviously still one of the best talkers of the business has ever seen. Using him as their mouth, dude. All of that is great. You can still use these, you know, legends, you these these seasoned the vets, in talent. What's that? You can use the legends to hump the wives of your main event talents on tape on live television. Yeah. No. <laughs> is that how we're gonna Ooh, end yeah. it? Oh well, my on. god! Dude, I, I, we're gonna... I I will like to put. I'll, I'll give us one glimpse of positivity from me since we're wrapping up. Um, in terms of the intercontinental, uh, I, I won't get into how upset I am about Sami Zayn getting stripped. Oh uh, yeah. Oh God, yeah. The intercontinental paper championship tournament that's coming up. <laughs> um, we have we have a bunch of great matches. We have Daniel Bryan versus uh, Gulak, Elias versus Corbin, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, AJ Styles versus Nakamura. Um, I'm very excited about those. I don't think any of them are going to live up to anyone's expectations, but I think they're going to be fun. So there, there's your glimpse of positivity <laughs> from me on, on who the next paper champ will be. All right. Well, you know what? It's always good to end on a high note. So thanks, <laughs> Tanner. Uh, but, hey, I, I do want to thank you, uh, Mailman Mike. Buck, it's been a pleasure. You're always welcome anytime. Um you. Uh, you know, uh, any, any last thoughts from anybody? Adam, James? Yeah. I've got a, I've got one thing and stuff because, oh, my God, like I, I said it to Buck even before we started tonight. And I know I think I don't know if it was you, Tank or Tanner, Adam, which one of you guys threw it out after we finished recording last time. Shout out before we we conclude, you know, and take a moment uh, to bow our heads at the passing of the Fink. We didn't get to talk oh, about oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah. my God. It, it was actually me that said it. But anyways, it was James. Yeah, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Then, yeah. Thank you, Jim. I'm sorry. Then, yeah. Like, cause, oh my God, how many of our greatest memories, like, you know, have our, you know, include him or sound bites from him, you know, like I can still like close my eyes and put myself right back at the orange show watching, you know, on a gigantic screen, oh, yeah. watching him declare, you know, Ricky Steamboat, the new intercontinental champion, you know, over Randy Savage at the Pontiac Silverdome, just anytime, you know, Fink would be, and you know, like, oh, my he's, God, you know, the joke would run down my spine, man, and stuff like, holy cow, you know, we I lost a great one. Yeah, he still he still think he's the greatest ring announcer of all time, hands, hands down. Absolutely. Yeah. Suck it, Capetta. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, uh, I, I want to thank I want to thank Mike. I want to thank Buck for for coming on the show today uh, for, you know, uh, James, obviously, Adam Freaking Danger, Tanner Treadway. 
uh, always a delight with his his power of positivity uh, for for uh, the uh, sport of professional wrestling. We want to thank him for that. And also, I want to thank you for listening in today and for giving us a follow here on Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TankRodPod, hashtag Stable of Studs, hashtag TankRodPod. Um, yeah, for me and the boys, this has been the Stable of Studs Wrestling Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. Oh, oh.